Podcast. I'm Allison Little, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur who has built businesses and brands for the past decade. I'm passionate about helping high achievers launch to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Launch Podcast with Allison Little. Today's episode is called Changing the World with Janice Linz. Janice is an accomplished consultant advocate across the hearing and advocacy and related political spectrum. She is the CEO of Hearing Access and Innovations, which is the leading company dedicated to helping the world's businesses, cultural and entertainment institutions, government agencies, and mass transit organizations improve their accessibility for people with hearing loss. She has traveled to over 194 countries, and I am just absolutely grateful for Janice and her tenacity to keep going to help people with hearing loss all over the world and especially in the United States. And I can't wait to hear how she's changing the world. So welcome to the Launch Podcast, Janice. Thank you so much. And thank you, Allison, for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you. Yay. Awesome. This is going to be fantastic. And, you know, Janice, you have such an amazing story. So let's start off with just telling us a little bit more about yourself. So I'm a mom who has a daughter with hearing loss. I also have a son. I I never discuss him, so I think people forget about him. But I have a daughter with hearing loss. And when she was diagnosed with a hearing loss, the doctor immediately told me there were special schools for her. And her idea of special schools and my idea of special schools, like the two Ivy Leagues that she attend, uh, she's currently in one and the previous one, was not what I think the doctor had in mind. And so I decided that I didn't understand why a doctor lowered my, the expectations of my daughter's life moments just from a, a diagnosis. And so I decided that I was not going to live the life that that doctor thought, and I would change the world rather than change my standards. Mm. And so you have had such an amazing journey of really helping bring hearing access to a whole bunch of different places and kind of overcoming some challenges along that journey. So tell us a little bit more about your company and what it does. So my company helps companies, government agencies, both domestically and globally, add hearing access. Many companies are unsure. They rely on vendors rather than, um, which doesn't necessarily produce the correct results. And the goal is to benefit the end user. And how do you provide excellent customer service to every customer, including those with hearing loss? And otherwise, companies that don't use experts in the field, just like it's like, you know, hiring a decorator, right? That's not, you know, just doing a decoration and then the difference between hiring a decorator or, and doing it yourself, you know, you don't want a DIY project because it doesn't always come out correctly. Um, A perfect example is the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission, who, where I did the advocacy to add the induction loops in the taxis, which is right behind me, they forgot the signs and didn't realize it both inside and outside the taxi. And without it, nobody knew the induction loops were there. And that was a very pricey, I believe, $27,000 mistake. Those are the type of errors that happen when you don't use an expert in the field and you just rely on the installer to help you. The installer installs. They, They don't guide you, look at your contracts, help figure out the details to make sure what you're doing is correct and benefits the end user. 
Absolutely. So it sounds like the work that you do really helps allow people to go anywhere and feel comfortable. And it doesn't matter whether or not you can hear or not, because you have the induction loop. So tell me a little bit more about the induction loop and how it helps people that have hearing loss. So the induction loop enables a person who is hard of hearing, who wears hearing aids or a cochlear implant Mm -hmm. to be able to hear the driver or the driver who has a hearing loss to hear the passenger. And so there's a little microphone embedded in the visor and a microphone in the back seat. And because of the plexiglass, especially now with COVID, it's really hard to hear people through masks, through the plexiglass. The microphone enables anyone who's wearing a a hearing aid or cochlear implant to hear. And the sound electromagnetically jumps to the person's hearing aid or cochlear implant when they switch to the letter T or the telecoil. And so it's fabulous. And you see this now not just in taxis, in New York City, subway information booths, museums um, throughout New York City, theaters. And you see it across about 15 different states that I've worked on in major places. There are many others like sprinkled around the country, but in significant destinations in about 15 states. And the goal is to expand that. And actually, I mean, every single Apple store, for example, has it. So you can go to the Genius Bar in every single Apple store. And if you have a hearing loss and it's noisy, you can hear the Genius speak to you. Or if the Genius has a hearing loss, they could hear the person. And so it's a win-win. So every place where there's an Apple store and you have a hearing loss, there's no longer an issue. Mm. That's such a beautiful thing. My grandfather had hearing loss and I remember he would just sit and it felt like he was disconnected or he felt like kind of not included in situations when it was really loud because he couldn't hear anything. And so this allows the people to actually feel included in the conversation and get the help that they need, right? That's exactly correct. Because when people don't hear and they don't have hearing aids when they need hearing aids, they end up withdrawing from the conversation, just like you're describing. And what um, a Hopkins study done by Frank Lynn has, has drawn the conclusion that people develop dementia and it helps to onset dementia early, which makes sense because if you're not participating fully and you're staying within your head, you're withdrawing. It's not great, but you know, it also gives the impression you do have dementia when you don't have dementia, mm-hmm. because, the, because if you are asked a question and you don't answer correctly, People think that there's something wrong with you, but you just didn't hear the question. And they found, I don't remember the name of the study, but there was a Midwest study that found that some people in here in nursing homes didn't have dementia. They just needed hearing aids. And Mm. that's just crazy. But it takes sadly about on or about seven years for the time a person thinks they need a hearing aid till they actually get one. And there's such stigma attached to hearing aids, but I'm hoping that's going to change. And I'm hoping with these new over-the-counter hearing aids and you have like AirPods, that something like AirPods will eventually transition into hearing aids because then what it will be is like, instead of going to the Apple store and saying, I want an AirPod or I want an AirPod Pro, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully one day they'll say, oh, I'll take the hearing aid version, right? It'll be like going to the car dealer and asking for the ski rack, Right. I mean, we do that with glasses. You're wearing glasses right now. Like, I I don't understand why that wouldn't be a thing, but exactly, it's it's getting closer, isn't it? With the technology and the advances that we're making and especially the work that you're doing in order to, to advocate and to let people know that this is an issue. And I think that's a beautiful thing that you're doing. 
Well, thank you. And I think it's also helping that, you know, very cool companies like Bose, Google, Apple um, are entering the market. And I think that's changing and disrupting the stigma. And that's why I approached all three companies, because I felt, you know, if you have traditional hearing aid companies, they didn't quite get the same cool. But if you could, let's say, go to your Apple store, right? And instead of using this Apple, right, you just, it would be not that different. And I'm hoping that's where we lead eventually, you know, once the over-the-counter hearing aid regulations are implemented and the gates open and there are new companies that come through, I think we're going to see a lot of innovation. The problem is going to be, do the products deliver what they claim? And that's where we still need the FDA to regulate and, and, and test every single hearing aid on the market. Because without it, we don't know if people are just selling snake oil. It's like, you know, you know the movie Music Man, where the guy would go from town to town selling snake oil. We want to make sure that everything that starts flooding the market actually delivers what it promises. Absolutely. Because otherwise, we have people delivering snake oil. And so I think that's the next stage. And that's what I'm hoping the FDA will do. That's awesome. You know, you have a great story about a museum in, um, it's in New New York, right? That you went to and it's a private museum and you're trying to get them to uh, make some of their exhibits uh, more accessible for the hearing impaired people that visited, which makes complete sense, right? Like I I don't understand why that would be any issue, but it ended up that um, you were able to influence them in a, in a very unique way. So share, share that story. Well, thank you. It's a funny story. Well, I think part of it was the executive director was embezzling um, or reportedly embezzling money. So that that didn't help. But um, it was the U.S. Intrepid Museum who was receiving the space shuttle and they refused to add the hearing access. And it was unacceptable to me that they could receive a space shuttle from the Pentagon and not add access. So I had previously worked with the Pentagon with the Dayton Aviation Center in Ohio. And I went back to the person I worked with and I said, well, access either works or it doesn't. So if it's good enough for the Dayton Aviation Center, which we had, you know, the Pentagon added the access, could you please do the same with the Intrepid? I, and they said, well, it's an Intrepid, you know, private museum. And I said, okay, but you're giving a space shuttle. So they went, said, let's see what we can do. And they told the museum that either they added hearing access and induction loops to the space shuttle, or they lost the space shuttle. Needless <laughs> to say. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's good. I just loved, you know, right. Never underestimate a mother. And so never underestimate a mother. mother. No. And, And okay. So on that topic, you have found that you have, you've been talking to some very uh, interesting people, very high influential people. Tell us a little bit more about that journey and, and the types of people that you talk to and reach out to, to let them know about the changes that need to happen or the access issues that you're finding. I will basically, so I have a philosophy that the person, I treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter if you're a head of state or the janitor, you are a person and I don't care Anything like I just treat everybody the same. So where some people are intimidated to reach out to somebody who they perceive as, quote, important, I don't because to me, they are the same as the janitor, right? They're just another person. 
So I reach out to anyone and everyone with whatever problem it is that I need to solve. It could be my banking statements. It could be hearing access. I just don't have time for people to waste my time. When you're advocating and trying to make very global change, you have to be very super efficient and not let people waste your time. So, I mean, a perfect example was I was in Ecuador and I was at a museum and there was no access and it was a beautiful new museum on pre-Columbian art. And I was so surprised there was no access. And my guide said, oh, I said, I'm going to write a letter. And he says, you know, I happen to know the vice president's wife. We both teach at the university together. And so I said, oh, really? Do you have her email? Next thing I know, I have the email. And so I sent her an email about the lack of access. Fast forward, a friend invites me to an event at the UN. And so I go to the UN and coincidentally, the ambassador from Ecuador to the UN, um, Luis Gallegos, who is the author of the Convention of the Rights of People with Disabilities, the CRPD at the UN, is the person, one of the leading people leading the lecture. And I went up to him and told him about my issue in Ecuador that I had recently been there to visit the Galapagos. And he said, oh, you're on my list. And I thought, oh my God, what <laughs> I do now? You're what do you mean list. I'm on the list? I'm like now, like, what does that mean? He's like, no, no, no. You're on my list to come speak in Ecuador. We got your letter and we want you to come speak in Ecuador. I, I thought it was crazy, but apparently, no. The next thing I know, I'm going to Ecuador to speak at the World Disability Conference. And they were adding, and then they loved my presentation. They asked me to contribute to a book on that they were distributing at all their consulates on accessibility around, and they were distributing this globally. So they asked me to contribute a chapter, which I did. And they were adding induction loops to their big convention center until the pandemic, which it then converted into a hospital. So it's been put on hold, but hopefully it will move forward. I mean, the person I ended up connecting to, he ended up becoming the president of Ecuador. But I've done this before on many, many occasions where I will reach out to anyone and everyone. And it could be in different countries and in the United States. I mean, recently I sent a letter to an email to Prime Minister Trudeau because I needed information on hearing access in the ferries in British Columbia. And I couldn't get the information. And so he, I wrote to him asking and the next day it was in my inbox and there it was. And then I used those, um, that information. I recently sent a letter to President Biden asking we were I was on a committee for passenger vessels in 2005 and somehow this committee's decision and the finalization of the regulations has not finalized in in 16 years which to me is insane so I've sent that to President Biden it's posted on my personal advocacy website JaniceLintz.com under tools to use and you can see it there but I'm hoping that will change because recently I had a meeting with the FTA so I'm hoping This is what I do. I just can make connections globally, gather information globally, and then use that and can write to the person and document the access. And it's it's been a very successful way to affect change. Mm. And you're changing the world by doing it, right? And that's the thing is I, I love that this all started with your daughter. And so tell us a little bit more about your daughter. She doesn't really love when I speak too much about her because as you can imagine, can you imagine your mother just discussing your life? But I will say. She is now in graduate school at an Ivy League school. Um, She had been an investment banker in London. 
She's doing remarkably well. And she's had the benefit of having what she needed to be able to succeed. And my payback to the world is to make sure that every single child and student globally has the same access and adult as well. So by changing, you know, you can never say thank you to other people, but you can pay it forward. And I take that very seriously because my daughter was truly raised by, in a sense, a village because I had, I knew nothing about hearing loss when we were thrust into this world. And I had incredible leaders in this world, like Susan Mizrui, Arlene Romoff, Claude Stout, Howard Rosenblum, providing me incredible information that I could never have gotten, you know, and my advocacy has really helped my daughter. So my goal is to make sure there are lots of my daughters in this world, that everyone has that chance to succeed. And that's why I do this. Mm. Plus, I always say, I used to do this with my daughter. Now I'm planning for my future as I get older. You know, there's a real possibility I could lose my hearing. And it's, it's hard to do when you can't hear the people on the phone and there are these obstacles. So I have to do it while I have still have the ability to do it. Mm. Good idea. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And it's so powerful that you took something that could have been a challenge or an obstacle or an adversity and it could have actually stopped you, right? A lot of people could be like, you know what? I can't do anything. I'm just going to listen to the doctor. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go up about my life. And instead you said, this is, this isn't okay. And I'm going to move forward. And not only that, I'm going to change it for other people. And I think that's the empowering thing is that ability to help your child, number one, and then also say, I'm going to pay it forward. And I'm going to help as many children as I possibly can, because unfortunately, not all children have a strong advocate in their life, like what you've been able to do. And we need people that are able to speak up, right? We need people that use their voice for good. It's really hard. And you know what? I was privileged to have resources to be able to do what I did. Not everyone does. And I'm very cognizant of that. And so in order to, I have to help other people. And that's just, this is what I do. But I believe you, you turn obstacles into opportunities. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I have found that as much as I do for other people and give, I have gotten so much more mm. than everything I have ever done. I have benefited in so many ways from it. So I love what I do. I mean, I truly love what I do. I found my path in the most bizarre way. It's wonderful to be able to see the changes. Mm. You know, each time that something is like, yes, it's like, I we did this, you know, and, and it looks like it's just me doing it. By the way, it's a huge team of people that help me globally, right? They send me photographs of induction loops around the world. There are people who are helping me edit my articles and my speeches. There are people who are sending me legislation from other countries and translating it. I'm, you couldn't do everything I'm doing, but I built this team of can-do people who want to see the change. And sometimes they can't be public because of their positions in government or for corporations. So they help me behind the scenes. But I want to be clear, this is a brain trust of incredible people globally. Mm, that's amazing. And that is so powerful. And, and I think that it's, it's great that you're bringing people together and in order to make change happen. So what are the two things you've done in your life to launch to the next level, Janice? Two things. One, I took a two-year sabbatical and traveled the world. And I look like I was, you know, pressing into it, like I've done this right before the pandemic, but it literally it ended right before the pandemic started those two years. I wish I could say I knew this was coming, but I didn't. But I, I was really 
exhausted. And I decided I, I was at a point in my life where my children were grown. And I was like, it's now or never. I had a great stash of frequent flyer points. And I thought, said, I'm going to do this. And it, what was great was by traveling, I could see the access around the world and understand what was and what wasn't happening. That, while it looked like I was flitting around the world and, you know, I'm, I'm sure people thought I was having a midlife crisis, not only was it personally satisfying, but it made my advocacy so much stronger because when I'm discussing countries and what is or isn't available, I'm the only person in the room that's been to that many countries. And by the way, it's 194 countries, territories, and unrecognized nations. I still have, it's 139 UN. I still have a long way to go post-pandemic. I'm in the room and discussing advocacy. And when I discuss the countries that I've been to, it gives me a credibility that other people don't have. Mm -hmm. right? I, and I'm not coming off as an American who says, oh, this is what we do. First off, America is very behind. I'm talking about what other strong countries are doing and bringing it back to our own country. Mm -hmm. And that really makes a big difference. And then my second thing that I'm doing is I decided during the pandemic to go back to Harvard. And so I'm going to Harvard's Kennedy School to figure out how do I take this to the next level? I want to do this bigger and better. And so going to the Kennedy School will make a huge difference in my advocacy. And I am so grateful to have been accepted. I, I, it's mm. such a privilege. Congratulations. Thank that you. Is I'm so excited. So exciting for you. Yeah. And so when do you start? So I was supposed to start this year, but deferred because of COVID. Okay. And so I will be starting next July. Oh my gosh. How exciting and how I'm so excited that is. That's amazing. Absolutely. And just the connections and education and all the things that you'll get in order to make all of the work that you do even bigger and, and to have that bigger impact is amazing. How fun. It's so amazing. I can tell you, like I, I'm friends, become friends with some of the people in this year's class and just the knowledge base and the help and connections from people in this year's class who I just know through WhatsApp and I've met one of them already. Like, that's amazing. So I can't imagine that when I'm in person, the difference it's going to make. Isn't that so cool? I love to surround myself with really brilliant people and just like listen and learn and grow with them. It's just, it's totally. an experience. What's your definition of success? I think my definition of success is being able to do what you want to do. And like be able to stay your course of what you want to do, right? So many people, I think, think they're financially successful, but they are so bound into not really pursuing their own dreams. Mm. And I think more people should take a pause and think about what is it you really want to do with your life and then make that happen. And I think, you know, I see so many friends who financially are very comfortable and yet they don't seem very happy. Mm -hmm. Success is being happy. Oh, that's beautiful. Success is being happy. And I think making the decisions each and every day to pursue happiness versus other things is, is a beautiful thing. And by the way, not everybody can, right? Like you may have, you have your mortgage, you have, and everybody's not in that position, but you could do small things to affect that change, right? So if, if going on a trip is going to be your one thing and, and you don't have the finances, well, you can use frequent flyer points, okay? You're like, well, I don't spend that much. Well, it's a little annoying, but you can take these surveys and get points from doing surveys, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, it's tedious, but if your goal is to go to Paris, let's say, right, post-pandemic, mm -hmm. 
You can make that happen, but you have to commit to the dream to make it happen and do what it takes. That's the real drive in people is doing what it takes and working your way through those tough and tedious things. And that's what I feel like your mission is, is you just do what it takes to make the change happen in the world. Yes. I'm not afraid of doing the hard work. Well, Janice, I just appreciate what you're doing in the world. I'm so excited and inspired by your work. I'm going to be cheering you on and I'm virtually high-fiving you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. It, it, it is truly empowering. And I'm so grateful that you are advocating for people all over the world um, and helping with accessibility, with hearing and with other things, right? Like the, the way that you're impacting people is really, really amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And how do people get a hold of you? Well, there are two ways. So my consulting work is at hearingaccess.com and my advocacy work is at JaniceLintz.com. And of course I'm on LinkedIn at Janice Lintz. Awesome. And thank you so much, Allison. I really do appreciate all the support. Absolutely. I am so grateful. This has worked out so great. And I I thank you for your time and your wisdom and all of the awesomeness that you're doing in the world. To all of our listeners, you never know what somebody is going through. They might be experiencing hearing loss and not tell you. It's kind of an invisible disability that people don't always talk about. And it's okay to talk about it because we could all be there someday, um, depending on, you know, how things go. You just never know. And so make sure that you share this with somebody in your life and let them know that you support them. And if you have any questions, make sure you go to Janice's websites to check out all of her. She has so many resources. It's amazing. And she's done so much research related to this. And if you have a company or a corporation that needs an expert, make sure you reach out to her. Thanks again and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Launch Podcast. I'm Allison Little, and I'm so excited that you spent your time with me. Look for future episodes and connect with me on social media or at my website at www.allisonlittle.com. 